I, I mentioned a couple dates uh, last week, and, and I want to go back over those this week. I, I'm, uh, again, we didn't realize exactly when we'd be in the building. We thought we'd be here in, the, in our new facility back in, in April. There was the potential we could have been back in, uh, in Christmas, but, well, none of that happened. Uh, but in the process, Melissa and I had made some plans, uh, thinking we'd already be in the building and everything would be running smoothly. And uh, we made plans to be gone on vacation. Um, we haven't taken a, a vacation, just the two of us, for a while. And so we're super excited. We leave this week. Uh, we leave this week, and, and we're going to be gone for the next two Sundays. But I'm super excited. Brandon is coming back. Pastor Brandon is coming back from Ford Conference. And, and God's really just been pouring on his heart some, uh, some different things that he's been, he's been talking to me about. And so I'm super excited. The next two weeks, Pastor Brandon is going to be bringing the word for you. Um, and uh, my wife and I are going to be on vacation. Y'all pray for us. Um, man, it's just a, a, an awesome time to kind of get away, reflect, and, and, uh, and come back rejuvenated and ready to go. So it, we're, we're super excited to do it. We don't want to miss. We want to be here. We want to see how things are going. And, but uh, at the same time, we know that, that God's got it all worked out. Uh, but when I come back, we're going to continue on. We've been in a series called Our House and we're going to continue on with that series for two more weeks after I get back. And uh, the, the second week after getting back is the, the last week in August, man, and I am beyond excited. What I want to do is, is have a, a baptism service right here in our new building. A number of people have come to me, have, uh, have spoken to me about wanting to, to rededicate their lives or have dedicated their lives for the first time and, and just want to show a, that sign of coming before everybody and saying, look, man, I'm, I'm laying down the old and, and here's the new. And so, man, just a, an awesome time of celebration. And then on August the 4th, August the 4th is every year we do a, uh, a heart for his house, um, just kind of looking at the needs uh, of what we're doing here and, and things that we're wanting to do within the community. And uh, normally we do that back in, in May, June at the latest, but with, we wanted to be in the building so we could talk about some particular needs. And, and so I, I pray that you would start praying now for how God would have you give towards our, our Heart for His House uh, campaign on, on August the 4th. It's just going to be a one-off, one Sunday. Uh, I'm not going to put a bubble up on the wall and say you got to make it to here. We're just, we're coming in, we're doing it, and we're believing God. Again, like I told you all last week, there's a... An individual in the community that doesn't even go to church here, and, and they've said, man, we've heard about what you're wanting to do. We've heard about uh, uh, all the things that are going on, and, and we want to match up to 100,000. Um, whatever your church gives, we want to match 100,000. So, I, I mean, I can't tell you how awesome uh, of a poten the potential that, that that has for what we're wanting to do. Uh, like Broadway mentioned, um, something as simple as taking out chairs. Already within the last two weeks, we've had... Uh, uh, a number of different ministries as well as individuals call us up saying, hey, can we, can we possibly utilize the, uh, the gym area for, for some basketball camps, some basketball training, some, just to play around and have a, a men's night? Um, and right now, I mean, I'd love to do it, but right now we just don't have the facilities yet set up and in place. We need people to be able to just something as simple as take all the chairs out every Sunday and, or after, after service and then before the next service bring, in, bring them all back in. It's a chore. It's a, a tasking chore, but uh, I know it's something we can do because, man, it's, it's awesome to think about what God wants to use our house for. I, I think I, I said this last week. We get so caught up in, in uh, we're a new building, and, and, and coming together, we, we've brought the family together to talk about the vision of our house, uh, what we're going to do with, with this place. Because it, it, it is, it's, 
it's very easy for, for churches in general, I'm not, I'm not pointing a finger at anybody, and it, this includes us, it's very easy for churches in general to become this sort of uh, inward-focused uh, insider's club. And, and without even realizing it, we, we miss the point of, the, of why Jesus came. We miss the whole reason of what Jesus was doing, and, and we make it all about ourselves. We make it about our four no more. And we true, we, we truly do miss the point. Last week we started with the question, who's our house for? And, and, and I, I spoke to you about a, a passage in James. We came to the conclusion that James said this in Acts chapter 15, we're not going to make it difficult for those who are turning to God. You know, we can sit there and, and get you know, all, all hot and bothered about the way we like the music or the way that, that, that we like things when we walk into the building or what color we want the, the carpet to be or the fact that they didn't even put any carpet. Oh, my gosh, my feet are going to hurt the whole time. And we, we come up with all these reasons to sit there and, and, and go back and forth with each other. And all of a sudden, what we've done is we've just kind of created this insider. It's about me. It's about us. And, and we forget about those that are coming to God. What we want to do, this church, what we are going to be about, what our house is going to be about is making it easy for those who are turning to God, who are still searching, who are still looking. It's okay that they're looking. There's going to be many different obstacles that they're going to face. There's going to be many different questions that they're going to face. Let's not, let's not add to those questions. Because ultimately, the one question that everybody's got to come to grips with is, is who is Jesus Christ? What is the cross to me? That's going to be the ultimate stumbling block for everybody. It's coming to this place and, and the realization of who Jesus is in your life. We're not going to make it difficult for anybody who's wanting to turn to God. Today, I want to continue within the same vein of who is our house for by speaking directly to us uh, about something particular. Uh, a, uh, I want to open our eyes to a particular type of who. A particular type of who, and I want to talk directly. When Jesus said, part of our house, we say that we know Jesus said, uh, for God so loved the world. Everyone, right? For God so loved everyone. So who is everyone? And, and part, one particular part of that who, I believe, is loving the lonely. Now, when I say this, when I say loving the lonely, I think we immediately get, get this, these images within our own minds of who that is. We all have an idea of who the lonely is, and, and I, would, I would assume across the room, predominantly, most of us would point at other people. There's a lot of other people that are lonely. Uh, one of the, the main thoughts that would rightfully come to mind, you would think would be, well, the lonely would probably be a loner. I mean, it, it rightfully just makes sense, right? If you're a loner, you would then assumingly be lonely. But, but I think there's something so much broader in fact, uh, uh, when you hear the word poverty, we tend to think of uh, material, possession, material poverty. When people hear the word poverty, they, they think of what they can see. And, and material poverty is just that. It's what you can see. But there's a, there's, experts have been talking about a new phrase, a new word that they actually use, and they call it relational poverty. Relational poverty, and what material poverty is, it's lacking the essentials to get you through the day, whereas relational poverty is lacking the intimacy and the connections to live a meaningful life. Now, in diving into this and looking at this, what I think you need to understand is that, man, whereas material poverty, you can, you can see it on the outside, relational poverty is, is easily hid. You can be surrounded by, by hundreds of people. 
You could be in a, a, a nice new church building surrounded by hundreds of people and, and yet feel completely alone. You could be a, a college student in a dorm room full of, full, of other, full of other students and yet you don't feel like you can open up to somebody, that there's nobody that you can really trust. You feel desperately alone. You could be a successful business person. You've, you've risen to the top and, and yet... You don't have anyone that you can, you can talk to, that you can confide in. You feel alone. You could be in a dysfunctional marriage, going to bed every night next to somebody, lying next to somebody, and yet in that moment still feel completely separated alone. Relational poverty hits so many different people. Social experts have their theories on why that this, this relational poverty is so much more prevalent in today's society than it ever has been in any time, in any, in any era. But, but what I don't want to do is I don't want to deal on the whys today. Again, what I want to do is I want to directly talk to the who's. To the who's. Because our house has got to be about, I believe, the who's. Because no matter how connected you are, I think that everybody in this room, every one of us is going to find ourselves in a place of relational poverty, a disconnect. And even more so, I would say that every one of us is connected to even more people than you will ever realize who are hurting and who feel utterly alone. There could be somebody right next to you today who, while they have the smile on, while they, they put the facade on, the mask on, and they're walking in, there's... There's this loneliness, there's this hurt that longs inside. And truly today I pray that God puts someone on your heart. Our house is going to be about loving the lonely. And with that, I pray that God puts somebody on your heart. Not, not just my heart, not the pastor's heart, not the staff's heart, but, but the body of Christ, each and every one of us, your heart. That God would put somebody on your heart today. Somebody that you're supposed to maybe give a hug or invite out to coffee or, or somebody sitting beside you today that's wearing a smile. But, but look, it's up to us, it's up to God's people to be the solution to this issue. I want to look today at, uh, at three different ways that I see Jesus did just this, just loved the lonely. Uh, there, there was many instances, many miracles he did in his three and a half years of ministry while on earth. And, and, and today, though, I want to look at, at three particular, focus on three particular ways that Jesus, uh, from what I see, loved the lonely. The first one, the first one is this, Jesus loved the lonely, and we should love the lonely. He loved with touch. Now, now real quick, all the husbands, nudge your wives and say, see, I told you this was a good church to go to. Just Bear with me. In Matthew 8, 2, I want to show you all a particular scripture, love with touch. There was a man with leprosy, and, and leprosy isn't something that, that we deal with today, but I'm going to talk about it here in a second. But there was a man with leprosy. Uh, he was excluded. He was an outcast. He was shunned by, by law, by people, by society. And, and yet he had heard the stories of Jesus, and he came to Jesus, and he said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Notice he, he doesn't ask a question. He doesn't ask Jesus, can you heal me? He doesn't ask Jesus, will you? He, he, he says, if you're willing. He makes a statement. If you're willing, you can make me clean. He knew exactly what God could do. 
Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Now, to give you a, a better understanding of leprosy, leprosy is not common in our culture, but in the time of Christ, it was very prevalent, so much so that uh, they actually had burn piles outside the city where, where there were people that, that uh, had passed away from leprosy, and they would just they'd keep these, the bodies would burn. Uh, leprosy was very contagious, uh, crazily contagious, and, and in fact, there were, there were so many laws written by the Pharisees, by the religious rule of the day, and one of the rules, because it was so contagious, was, was that if you, were, if, you were, if you had leprosy, you were not allowed to even come in contact, to, to socialize, to, to be around anybody else because of the possibility of spreading this disease. If you saw somebody approaching, you would have to let them know that you were, you were diseased, you were unclean. You'd have to shout out the word unclean, 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 cover yourself and, and move to the side so that people knew to stay away from you. Leprosy. When someone became a leper, they basically had a lifespan of, of no more than 10 years. Leprosy would control your body within a matter of usually about 10 years. It, it would start... Uh, it would start with muscle aches, joint pain, and fatigue. Some of you are thinking, wow, I wonder if, I wonder if I've got left. <laughs> like this is on a scale that is so far beyond anything that, that we can imagine. What this disease did to you within a, ma- a matter of 10 years is, is unfathomable, unthinkable. But it would start off with just simple muscle aches, joint pain, and fatigue, but then the muscle fatigue would turn uh, and I'm, I'm going to get a little disgusting with you, but it, it would turn into scaly rashes on the skin. And then the scaly rashes would, would s- slowly turn into pus-filled pockets to where you, were, you would start to just pop and boil from all over your body. It then moves to the vocal cords. It would, it would attack the vocal cords in such a way that people wouldn't be able to recognize your voice. Your voice would, would change, would alter, and all of a sudden you, you sounded something inhuman. And while that's occurring, it, it then would start attacking the face. The face in such a way would start to swell and, and grow. In fact, the cheeks, the cheekbones, they say, would, would swell so much that, that you would actually look inhuman. In fact, you'd look more animalistic, more like a lion. You, you, you'd just start to defigure all over. From there, they said that the, what would happen next is, is that... After the cheekbones became uh, inflamed, the body would, as you're alive, the body would literally begin to decompose. As you're living, your body from, from the, the, the pockets that, that were bursting, from the, the swelling, would, would literally start to just decompose to where you, you would even smell as if you were dead. It's, it's no wonder I, I say that that in Jesus' times, all these laws were written that, that were forbidding anyone with leprosy to approach or to come into contact with another human. It, it, was, it, was, it, it was a disease that, that they didn't really even know what to do or anything to do about it, but literally throw people aside, cast them aside, and, and leave them to die, to walk by themselves and, and to, to rot. And all of a sudden, this is the man in Jesus' personal space. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. 
within that statement, there's no question on whether or not this man had belief or whether he had faith. The faith was never in doubt. The the belief was never in doubt. He had heard the stories. He knew the truth of who God was. He he had heard the miracles that Jesus had done, but but he he lacked the confidence that, that somebody would ever care to do that for him, having been cast aside, having been thrown aside, having been left alone to rot and to die. And in verse 3, Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man and he said, I am willing, be clean. And immediately the man was cleaned of his leprosy. Now, now, now bear with me here. Listen, listen, if I, me being the righteous man of God that I am, if a, a man that was in the later stages of leprosy were to walk up on the stage in my faith, I, I look, come on, come on. <laughs> I'd be on this side of the stage and I'd tell him how much I'd pray for him. Right? Look, stay over there, I'll pray for you. I, I, I mean, let's be honest. I, I know it's contagious. I mean, there's people that walk in the room and, <coughs> and you're like, oh, hey. <laughs> there's not enough Purell in the world to, to get me to, Mm-mm, can't do it. And what blows my mind is I think about the miracles of Christ. Multiple accounts of Jesus healing people. But predominantly what you hear, what you see, what you read is, is Jesus could so much as just speak the word and people's lives were radically changed. Jesus could speak and, and healing would happen. Not just healing, but life would happen. Jesus comes back, Lazarus. Lazarus has been dead in the grave for four days. And Jesus just speaks, Lazarus, come forth. Come on out of there, Lazarus, let's go. And a dead body gets up out of the grave and walks out. I think about the centurion's servant. The centurion comes before Jesus. A, a whole other town over, his servant is sick. And, and, and the centurion's servant has passed away. The centurion comes to Jesus and says, I, I know that if you just say the word, if you just say the word, my, my servant will be healed. And Jesus said at that moment, I've never, been, I've never seen such faith. He was amazed at that man's faith. But so many times, so many instances, by the mere word of God, the dead are given life. Jesus doesn't need to touch anyone to heal him. He doesn't need to reach out his hand. So so why this time? Why reach out and touch the man? I, I wonder, I wonder if it could be that maybe the disease that Jesus saw that this man needed healing from wasn't even leprosy. The hurt that Jesus saw this man dealing with, it wasn't necessarily the leprosy. The leprosy was the outward appearance, but but there was something deeper. There was a relational poverty within this man. A life outcast. A life of rejection. And sometimes the only healing is, is a human touch, maybe a hug. In that time, someone with leprosy, I, I mentioned this earlier, they had, to, they had to, from a distance, call out that they were unclean. And so people knew, people knew that somebody was unclean. If it wasn't obvious from the sores and everything else, you, you knew. But today, today we deal, we deal with a, a disease, relational poverty, that, that people can, 
can walk right up into a building. They can put on the facade of a smile. They can walk right past us, and, and we can never even recognize the hurt and the decay that is going on in their lives. People within this room today that, that, that come to church regularly, and yes, man, you, you love the message, you love the, 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 the worship, the band is awesome, all these things are great, but, but the reason you're so consistent at coming to this place is because this may be the only place, the only time of the week where somebody extends a hand, extends a hug, extends a smile. And, and I, I say that, and I pray we recognize it for, for two main reasons, guys. One is, is obviously that our house would be known as a place of connection, that our house would be known as a place of touch. But, but also, I say that specifically for the volunteers here today, the people that stand in those positions, I pray that you would never take it for granted the impact that your smile, that the extension of your hand can have on a life. It's... It's not about the preacher or the, the guy that's on the soapbox or the band that's playing the music. It's, it's about the personal touch of an individual as you're walking in the building. Someone's slapping you on the back just right where you spill your coffee and it burns. <laughs> it's loving with touch. We're wired by God for human connection. We're wired by God for human connection, a loving touch, a hug. It can change people. And as a church, this is who our house, this is who we are going to be. We're not going to violate people's body spaces, all right? We're not going to get weird with it. But church, come on, man. There's people that, that are needing just a simple touch. We love people with touch. Secondly... First, we love with touch. Second, we love by listening. Now, now, ladies, here's where you get to touch your husband and say, see, now it's your turn to keep listening. <laughs> we love by listening. Now, now this, one's, this one's difficult, and I, I say this because most people, not just men, although men predominantly, not just men, but most of us, we listen with the intent to, anybody? To respond. We listen with the intent to respond, to reply. As, as we're sitting there listening to somebody and what they're saying, myself, I do it all the time. I'm, I'm nodding my head as though I know what you're talking about, right? I'm, I'm paying attention. I'm listening. I'm, but, but truly, I'm thinking about my incredibly awesome comeback because it's going to be on point. Most people don't listen with the intent to understand. Most people don't listen with the intent to understand. People need to be loved by listening. Jesus was a, a phenomenal listener. There's a, there's a great story, and, and I want to give a little bit of context. It's found in Luke 24, but, but uh, in building up to this moment, before I share the scripture in Luke 24, what's happened, Jesus has just been crucified, and, and I pray you realize there were hundreds upon hundreds of followers of Christ who, who had this idea, this mentality of what Jesus was teaching. He was the Messiah, and as being such, being the Messiah, he was going to bring his kingdom here on earth. He was going to overthrow the Roman Empire. He was going to overthrow this, this, this dogmatic Roman Empire that was controlling, that was ruling them, and they were now going to rise up again, rise up as, the, as a nation, as a people. And now all of a sudden, they watched their Messiah, they watched their Savior get crucified. 
the hopes that had been built within their lives, the, 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 the hope that they had had was, was literally crushed. They didn't understand when Jesus said that, that I go away to prepare a place for you. They, they didn't understand that his kingdom wasn't a kingdom here on earth, but, but that it was a heavenly kingdom. They, they hadn't grabbed a hold of, of the truth of what Jesus' teachings were about. And in this particular passage in Luke 24, there's two men that, that their lives have been turned upside down, dramatically just turned over. They're walking along the road. Jesus has been crucified, and they don't know yet that, that very few people have, have learned that Jesus has arisen. The ascension, not the ascension, but the resurrection has already happened. And so they're walking down the road. They're distraught. They're, they're hurting. Their hopes and dreams dashed. Depressed, lonely. And then as they're walking, all of a sudden, Jesus kind of just walks up alongside them. Listen to me here in, in, in Luke 24, starting in verse 17. It says this, Jesus asked the two men, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? Again, their, their hopes, they're dashed. Their dreams dashed. Their lives just completely turned upside down. Uh, a, a moment of this just, just tumultuous confusion inside their own lives. And, and at any point, I, I think, my nature, I, I, I probably would have been more like, boo, gotcha. Ha, it's me. Ah, well, see. And the immediate thought is, look, get rid of that frown. I'm here. Can't you see? Why? Look, come on, come on. Hey, let's go. Look at this. It's all good. Ta-da! He, he could. He could have totally just made their day, popped out of the, you know, appeared, done some smoke or something just to kind of add dramatic effect. And boom, and here he was. But, but that's, not, that's not what he did. And instead... In hearing, asking the first question, hearing their answer, he, he continues with a second question. They ask him, are you the only one that is unaware of what's happened to Jerusalem in these days? And he looks back at them and he says, what things? Why, 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 would, why would Jesus not just reveal himself and solve the pain Maybe, maybe he was modeling for us that, that we live in a society, we live in a world that there are people that need to know that we love them. Not, not just when there's an answer to their situation, but even before, even before when, when they had no answer to their problem. That in the middle of their situation, in the middle of their heartbreak, that somebody cares to listen, to understand and not, not just a, yeah, I'll pray for you. Not, not, a, not a flippant pass off, but, but a, a, a caring, genuine concern that's, that, that listens and says, man, tell me what's going on in your world. Tell me what's going on in your life. Not just how are you, but, but how are you really? We love by listening. I think it's one of the most powerful ways that we can love people, to just 
sit there and listen. And being honest, it's one of my hardest because I have all the answers. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But it is. It's difficult because I'm analytical. I like to, I like to solve. And so as I'm hearing something, I'm processing, I'm, I'm working it out in my head, and, and my mouth just wants to bah, give the answer. But that's, that's not the answer. It doesn't help. To just sit there and listen, to give an ear. There are people in your lives right now, church, that, that the best way that you could love them is just to ask an open-ended question and then sit and listen. And, and that brings us to number three. We love with touch. We love by listening. But, but then as well, we love with time. With time. Jesus had three and a half years of ministry. And I think about the Gospels, I think about the stories, and I think about the, the, man, how packed full were those three and a half years? We, we juggle things in life today and, and sit there and you know, wonder where the time went, and yet I look at the miracles of Jesus, and, and then I try and figure out how he condensed, how he fit all of that, all of that within the, uh, a span of like three and a half years, the disciples, the training, the the healings, the miracles, the dead being raised, the, so many different things. And yet through all of that, through every single one, he was always moving. He was always going somewhere. He was always healing. He was always teaching the masses. He was always instructing. And yet he was never so busy that he couldn't be interrupted. Never so busy that he couldn't be interrupted. In, in Luke chapter 5, there's a, uh, another story that, that Jesus was, was teaching in a town that, that, from what I read, he hadn't been in before. And he's, he, he's preaching. And, and, and so, you know, I mean, this is Jesus. This is, there's all the talk, the buzz around town. And so everybody's heard that Jesus has come to town. Everybody's heard about the, these stories. And they want to see. They want to know. They want to they give a look at, at what's going on. And, and so Jesus ends up walking into a house. And he's teaching. And he's, he's preaching to these people. And and, and, and the buzz had gotten so loud that all of a sudden that house got packed. The house is completely packed full of people. There's, there's nowhere else to walk into the room. And then from there, the, it had overflown. It had spilled outside the house so that, that you couldn't even get up close to the house because people were just clamoring to hear, to listen what was going on. And then there were four guys that, that got wind of Jesus being in town, and they had heard the stories too. They, they knew that, that Jesus was a healer. And, and although Jesus is teaching, maybe, maybe we have a friend. We have a friend who's paralyzed. And, and if we could just get our friend up, up close to this Jesus, maybe. Man, what love that, that these guys decided to, to take the time. I mean, look, I don't know if you've ever tried to like, get into a crowded space, but it's hard. I mean, you're kind of, you know, maybe you could get your way through. But now take four guys on four corners dragging a guy. Look, there's, there's like, hey, you can't turn him over. You can't, you can't lift him up, right? I mean, there's no way to get in the building. And so all of a sudden, the, the love, the passion, the time that these guys had for this friend said, you know what, we're, we're getting this guy to Jesus. And the story continues in Luke 5, verses 18 and 19, that there's no way that these guys are going to be able to get their friend in to see Jesus. And we see their willpower. They end up climbing on top of this house. They climb on top of the house, and they start 
digging through the roof, like tearing the shingles off the roof. You know, and, and I don't know, but in my mind, I'm thinking maybe they, they're like, dang it, that's the bedroom, go try the other room. He's not here either. Go try it. I don't know. All right. But all I know is that there's a mess. Okay? And, 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 and look, I, I, there's, there's people in this room that you've had, a, 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 what we do community groups, Bible studies at home. And, and if you've ever had a Bible study at home, you, you know the distraction that other people's kids can be. Right? I mean, you know, you're sitting there and, and you're, you're trying to get to point number three and all of a sudden from the back room you, you hear little Susie is, is mad at little Jackie because of whatever. I, I mean, stuff happens, but, but you've never seen a distraction as big as, as big as your shingles getting ripped off the roof where you know you're going to have to call the insurance adjuster tomorrow and explain to him, well, uh, you see, there was this thing and... Uh, I, I can't imagine. They dig a hole. They lower the man as Jesus is teaching. As Jesus is teaching, they lower the man right in front of Jesus. And Jesus, what does he do? He stops. He, I, I mean, look, I, I, look I, I've made it a point. And now that I say this, y'all may start noticing, but I'll walk to one side. I walk a lot, and I see y'all's heads bobbing behind other people's heads. I'm sorry. It's just I do it, and I, I'm not, I can't not do it. But part of my doing it as well is, is if I hear a commotion or, or something going on over here, I'll naturally walk this way and, and just try and keep going. In, in, or maybe get a little louder and uh, you know, just try and it, – it, I, I just try and pull away from whatever the distraction is. But Jesus doesn't continue on to point number three. He, he stops what he's doing. He looks at the man being lowered down. And he says, your sins are forgiven. And there was some balking in the room. There were some other religious leaders in the day who looked at him and says, who does he think he is that he could, he could say that his sins are forgiven? And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, then looked at him and said, just so you know that the Son of Man has the power. He says, go ahead, rise up, you're healed. He heals him. I think the power of this is that sometimes we get interrupted. He, he very well could have continued on to point number three and, and made his way over onto this side of the stage so that so that, that distraction wasn't bothering everybody and they, they kind of turned their vision away. But, but instead he stopped and he cared and he gave time. Uh, one of the many things that we talk about, we have a staff meeting weekly. And one of the things uh, that we mention in our staff meetings is not to, not to get so caught up in the job that we miss the work. Don't get so caught up in the job that we miss the work. These last couple weeks have, have uh, they've been crazy hard. We've been moving out of one building, transferring over to a new building. Nothing's working in the new building. we got to get it. Just this morning, Broadway was, had a ladder up here because we had no projector. I mean, it's hard enough that we don't have the really cool, you know, really widescreen projector, but we had nothing this morning. There was going to be no lyrics, no, no really cool points that I had spent so much time on. In fact, I, I want to... 
Uh, I want to take a quick moment, kind of uh, aside from my message here, to, to give a shout out to three particular individuals um, that have made it happen. Uh, Eddie Fitzgerald, I, I don't know where you're at, right back there. Um, Man, Eddie's had a kind of running joke for the last two years as we were designing, building this building, and, and he's still, you know, cleaning up our mess at the other one. He said, look, all I got to do is I just got to get at least one clean in the new building. He says, I don't know if I can handle it, but I'm going to do it. And uh, he's done that and then some, so much more. Um, getting things situated over here, moved over here, coming through and, and cleaning up throughout the week, getting it prepared and ready for a Sunday morning. Uh, and then two others I, I want to shout out to, Will Walker and Megan Musgrove. The, uh, uh, Will Walker, you're probably backstage right now with the worship team. Megan, are you out here somewhere? Um, uh, there's somewhere out here. But guys, I, oh, there's Will. Yeah, man. Um, the hours that, that they have spent uh, and, and suckered and roped their spouses, well, partly. Megan, I don't think Stoney knew what he was getting into, and he got suckered in, he got pulled in. He spent his, his vacation time up here helping us move. Molly, Molly knew better. She was like, nope, I'm not going. <laughs> but uh, uh, the two of them have spent countless hours just trying to uh, get things situated and, and running and working, and... Uh, uh, through it all, uh, they've gone above and beyond, and, and it's easy to get wrapped up in making sure the flow is going to work and that things look nice. And, and in all of that, it's easy to forget why we do it, to lose the focus of our house because we're so caught up in the job that we forget the work. And, and I say that specifically not just for our staff, but, but also I say that for everybody here in, in this room Everybody here in our house, look, guys, who, whoever God puts in front of you, that's God's assignment for you. I, I pray, I pray that you don't get so caught up in your job that you forget his work. If we all stepped into God's assignment, I, I truly believe that the needs of our entire community would be met. Because we're not always too busy to take time for a divine interruption. It was a, a phenomenal message that Mark Hariuki spoke uh, probably about two years ago about a divine interruption. But look, people, we, we love, we love people by giving them our time. As the band comes out and, and I, I begin to close, guys, there's, there's people in your life right now that are, are longing for time with you. And I think one of the best ways that you can love them is, is, is through time, through a touch, through listening. I believe that as a culture, we, we tend to fill our calendars with, with the things that seem urgent, and, and then there's no time left for what's actually important. Uh, I, I'm just as much to blame. I get caught up in, in everything that's urgent, that I, I miss what's important. I, I'm preaching a message here on loneliness. I'm preaching a message talking about, about taking time to be with people, and, and I can... In my mind, as I'm preaching, I'm thinking about individuals that I know I, I, was, I was standing in front of, and, and they were asking me a question after a service, and, and, and my mind was sitting there racing about, well, hey, I need to make sure I talk to that person, i got to talk to that person, and i got to figure out that person, and, and, and the whole while, I wonder how many times I've messed it up myself. 
I pray you don't let the urgent crowd out the important. We love with touch, a handshake, a hug, a smile. We love by listening, not with the intent to reply, but, but to truly understand, to hear. And, and then we love by giving time, a genuine care for the people around us. I think this begs the question today, what if it's you? What if, if, if you're honest with yourself right now and, and you're at a place where, where even surrounded with people, even, even maybe even being the life of the party, you, you, you still walk away feeling lonely? God, I, I pray, I pray that the Spirit speaks to your heart louder than even my words can this morning. Your family, our house here, we, you and I, we're, we are family. We're imperfect. You're going to have Uncle Bob over here in the corner who's going to say something inappropriate. Or you're going to have Aunt Susie over here who's going to, who's going to you know, keep pestering you and pushing you and just kind of putting you on edge. But, but look, we're, we're family. We love each other. Dysfunctional at times, yes, but, but we love each other. And we've been given by God to one another to walk through hard times. We, we love you. And I think more important than, than saying that, than saying we love you, is for me to, to tell you this morning, man, I, I can't even begin to describe the love that God has for you. He designed each and every one of us with relationship in mind, with, with intimacy. He designed us to walk in intimacy. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't care how, how, many, how many scriptures you've memorized so much as is he cares about the relationship. The time, the touch, the listening. I want to read this passage to you real quick. This is in Isaiah 41. In Isaiah 41 it says this, Don't be afraid. This is God speaking to us. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I, I will help you. Yes, I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Look, guys, no matter where you are in life right now, if you feel alone, know that you're not. There's people around you here. Today, our house, we're going to be known as, as a place that loves the lonely, but man, there's a God that loves the lonely so much more. If you'll bow your heads with me as I close, Lord God, I, I thank you. We come before you this morning. Father, I pray at this moment, I, I thank you for this, uh, the reminder that you're with us. Father, that you would give us the, the ability to, to be honest with ourselves, to reflect within ourselves, Lord God, and, and to look to you as to where we are today, what it is that we need. As I continue to pray, I, I've asked uh, a number of our prayer team to, to come up here along the front. If you guys will go ahead and come down as I continue to pray. Look, if, if you're here this morning, I, I'm going to ask you to be a little courageous. I'm not going to call you out in a way that, that to, 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 you know, point a finger at you or, 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 or to, uh, to call attention to you. But, but again, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I think most of us, we find ourselves in a place where we feel lonely and the last thing we want to do is bring attention to ourselves. 
But I think there's something spiritual about an acknowledgement of, yeah, God, this is me. I'm, I'm hurting. I feel alone. I feel disconnected. Again, I, I, I'm not asking the, the congregation, the crowd as a whole to look around, but, but the, the prayer team and myself, if, you, if that's you this morning, if you're in a place and you need, you need God, the care of God's people, and you just want to admit it, if that's you, if you'd be courageous enough to lift your hand, we want to pray for you this morning. Awesome, 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 awesome. Across the room more, awesome, 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 awesome. Thank you for your courage. Others of you, as I continue to pray, uh, I, I, I pray this would be the rest of us, but I, I pray that, 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 that across the room our prayer would be, God, would you show me who it is that needs a loving touch, who it is that, that just needs somebody to listen, who it is that just needs somebody to care and spend time. Who is it that needs to be encouraged? And as we're praying this morning, I do believe, I pray that God would speak, that God would minister to your mind, to your heart right now. And, and even as I'm speaking, I believe that, that you will hear a, a, an audible voice, a, a, an unction, a feeling. Somebody's going to come to your mind and you know that you need to give them a, a, a loving moment. If you know who that person is, I want you to lift your hand up right now and say, God, I, I hear you asking me. I hear you speaking to my heart. I'm going to pray for that individual. I'm going to pray for that person. I'm going to reach out to that person. I'm going to call that person across the room. Hands up. Awesome, 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 awesome. Guys, that's who we are. Lord Jesus, we come before you, Father. And Lord God, I, I pray right now specifically for those, Lord, who are in a place of loneliness. Lord God, maybe even surrounded by people all of the time and yet, and yet laying down at night, weeping, crying, hurting, longing for, for, for a connection, for something deeper than just the quick Father, I pray across this room, first and foremost, that they would experience your love, a love from a God that cares more than anything, Lord Jesus, that they would know that they're loved, that they're cared for, Father, but then as well that, that we as a people would rise up and we would share the love, Lord God, that we would reach across aisles, that we would, we would look at people, Lord God, we would look past the facade of a smile, Lord, and, and that we would see a heart and we would reach out and we would touch, we would hug, we would, we would listen, we would care, we would give time. Father, I pray that we would be a people that, that as your disciples would follow your example day in and day out, Lord Jesus. That you would bless conversations, Lord God, through this coming week, whether it be over, over coffee, over lunch, or, or even just a simple phone call, Lord God, that we could love by reaching out, Lord Jesus. That we would touch people's hearts. We would change somebody's eternity, Lord God, by a simple gesture. God, thank you for all that you're doing in this place, in this house. It's in the name of your son we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Guys, y'all have a blessed, wonderful, wonderful week. Reach out and touch somebody. God bless you all, guys.